We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is a, <clears throat> this is a apostolic honey hole right here, just so you know. But it didn't begin with the apostolics. It began with God. And God, throughout the process of His Word, has always, always pushed this foremost in the minds of His people. We read one scripture out of this little section here, but I'm going to read verses 4 through 9 because there's a portion of it that we jump and shout and hooray and we believe and yes, but then there's a part of it that we soon forget. So Deuteronomy chapter 6, and, and, and uh, if you would just go to Luke chapter 10 and kind of hold that place. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God is one Lord. And in most apostolic churches, they're up dancing and shouting. And the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, and with all thy might. Verse 6 says, And these words which I command thee this day all be in thine heart. These were words that were commandments to God's people. They were commandments. First, to hear that the Lord is one. Second, you have to love him with everything that you have. Verse 7, and thou, here's the part where most of us shut the Bible and move on. He says, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Do you understand what he just said here? He said the words that we just said, that he is one and we love him with everything. And we're going to tell this to our children, diligently tell this to our children. We're going to do it when? When we sit in the house. When? When we have a walk out in the garden. When? When we lie down to go to sleep. When? When we wake up from our sleep. In other words, these are the words that we're going to talk about all of the time. Verse 8, Thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hands, and thou shalt be as frontlets. The, the, the Hebrew word, tophafal. Tophafal. It means to bind around the forehead. You bind around these words around your forehead. Between thine eyes, the Scripture says. It's, you know, it's, it's, called, it's sort of like a, a place... Uh, you know, the old West, Wild West, they said, you know what, if you're going to take somebody out, you've got to shoot them right between the eyes. We're going to take this word, he said, and we're going to, not only are we going to talk about it all day long, but when we're not talking about it, the word's going to be around our head and right between our eyes. And thou shalt write upon them, uh, write these things upon the poor. Not only are we going to talk about it, but all of this we're going to write on the doorposts. Now, if I were to start writing on the doorposts of my house, you know, my, my wife might get a little upset because we've got the doorposts painted. But you're gonna, but there's a deeper meaning than right. They did this, but there's a deeper meaning. And on thy gates. Then Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 27. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, What's written in the law? What's written in the law? That's a good question. What does God's word say? Because in today's society, in the church world, when you ask that question, 
Most of the answers are not what's written in God's Word, but what we in the denominal world have come up with. That's why we have so many denominations. We've all come up with the answer to that question. But it's not what's written in the law or God's Word. It's what we feel comfortable with. But Jesus said, listen, you can answer this yourself. I don't have to tell you, Mr. Lawyer, what does it say in the law? And he answered, he said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy strength, and all thy mind. You notice he added an extra one here from what we just read in Deuteronomy. And thy neighbor as thyself. And so I just want to talk to you for a very short time. Let us never forget. Let us never forget. The Shama is the centerpiece of the daily morning and evening prayer. And it's considered by some of the most essential prayers in all of Judaism. It's the prayer that, 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 that Judaism, those who practice Judaism, it's the prayer that's prayed twice a day. And it's this prayer. Hear ye, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. It's an affirmation of God's singularity. It's an affirmation of God's kingship. It's daily recitation is regarded by traditionally observant Jews as a biblical commandment because it was commanded of God. We speak of the Ten Commandments, and there were more than Ten Commandments that God gave, but this is a commandment that the, those that practice Judaism totally believe in. This is a prayer that they must pray twice a day, every day. The word Shama here means hear, hear me. When it says hear, O Israel, that word hear is Shama. Shama in the Hebrew means, hear me, or in today's vernacular, hey, listen up. That, that's our vernacular today. Jesus used this term, verily, verily, the verily, verily, surely, surely, means hear me, hear me. Listen to what I'm saying, because what I'm about to tell you is very important. So Jesus was going around quite a bit saying, hey, everybody, listen up. You know, it's like when your mom says your full name. When I was a kid, I had I have three brothers, and so my, my my mom would just she needed to get somebody, so she called all four of our names, and somebody came running, and then the others got in trouble for not coming running. But when she said Donald Lee Biddick, I knew, uh, hear me, there was I, there was something I needed to hear here pretty quick because this was very important. God is saying, listen up, this is important. Shama, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. He is Lord. There is only one Lord. Whether it's Yahweh, Jehovah, the self-existent one, however you look, whatever you look at, He is the one and only Lord. It's, it's important, Israel, for you to understand there's one. Why was God so adamant about that? Well, it's because in that day and time, just like today, polytheism was rampant in the world. Polytheism, the belief in more than one God. Did you know that in Hinduism, there are more than 33 million gods? 33 million gods in one religion alone. Can you imagine in that day the different people that were outside of the realm of God and the number of gods that they had? So it was important for Israel to understand, listen, you're going to hear about a lot of gods, but understand there's only one. There's only one. Could you imagine... Of the 33 million, if you wanted to get direction from what it would be like trying to get direction and trying to get instruction from all of them, would they all speak at once? Would they? It would be tough. 
See, that's the beauty of serving the one true and living God. In Acts chapter 17, verse 23, For as I was passing through and considering uh, the gods that you worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. He was talking to people who were worshiping many gods. And because they wanted to make sure that they didn't upset any god that they didn't know about, they actually built an altar and put on the altar to the unknown. If we don't know about you, we don't want to offend you. So we're going to worship you even though we don't know about you. That's polytheism. It's confusing. To the unknown God. Paul said, therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, Paul said, now you know all these gods you're worshiping. He said, but this one that you worship without knowing, I'm going to tell you who he is. Can you imagine that? For years and decades and for centuries, they had worshiped this unknown God, not knowing who he was. And so this man comes up and says, hey, this one that you've been worshiping all this time, you don't know who he is? I can tell you who he is. I would bet you that the ears perked up, and I would bet you the attention rose to its top because we're going to find out something that's been a mystery for years. Verse 24, God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. In other words, you've built these altars and temples, and these are the gods you serve, but this unknown God, he, he's not in these temples. He's not in these altars. He's, he's not in these statues. He's not in these. Nor is he worshiped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. Verse 26. And he has made from one blood every nation of men. Do you see what Paul tried to do here? What Paul was trying to get them to understand? You're serving all, them, all these gods. But understand something. The, the unknown God, the true God, has made all of us from the same blood. We're all together in this. We're all together in this. One blood, every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. In other words, God knew who was going to be where, when, and why. He already, it was pre-appointed. He already knew it. Not predestined, but pre-appointed. God knew every single second of every single life, of every single one of us, because we're all of the same blood. So they that seek should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for Him and find Him, though He is not far from each... Who is the unknown God? He said, I'm telling you who He is, and this is who He is, and you know what? He's not very far away from you right now. Can you imagine the feeling that must have really been stirring amongst those people? For in Him we live. For in Him, you know the reason you're living today? That's what He's telling these people that were worshiping. You know why you're living today? It's not because of all of these gods that you've made, all of these statues you've erected, all of these temples and altars, but in the unknown God, in Him we live and move and have our being. As also some of your own poets have said, He said, listen, your own poets spoke of this unknown God, and here's what they said about Him. For we are also his offspring. You see, they didn't even know him, but they understood. There's something about this unknown God that's different than all the other gods. Because in him, we are all the offspring. And now Paul expands to them who he is. So we understand that Paul was proclaiming Jesus Christ to these people, right? Who was he proclaiming? The true one living God, Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way. 
I am the truth. I am the life. Jesus said, I am. Because in the Old Testament, when Moses said, whom do I tell Pharaoh sent me? Who do I say to the people sent me? He said, just tell them, I am has sent me. Verse 5 of Deuteronomy 6 says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. The word love here, agape love, it's, it's a love. It's to have the affections that you have towards God. Now listen, we all, I have an affection towards fishing. I have an affection towards fishing. No, it's not out of portion. It's not out of bounds. I, I don't go fishing instead of coming to church. I don't, not that God would strike me dead, but you know what? That would be an odd affection to have fishing over God. That's an odd affection. And see, many of us in today's society have some very strange affections. <clears throat> I'll give you a strange affection. We, we, we bounce this around at our church here. A lot of you have a strange affection for the Dallas Cowboys. I understand it's your home team. I have a strange affection for the Miami Dolphins. That's even stranger, right? Yeah, I, I get it. But listen, if that affection is greater than my affection for God, it's a strange affection. It's a strange affection. Our affections, love the Lord, agape, the God love. Let your affections be towards God. Jesus extended this from three to four here as he let this man speak, this lawyer speak about what was spoken here in, in, in Deuteronomy. In the Hebrew, see, they, they never separated. In the Hebrew, when this was spoken in, in, in Deuteronomy 6, the, the, they never separated us and who we are from what we believe. See, in our society today, in Christian circles, religious circles, let me just narrow it down, Christian circles, a lot of people tend to separate who they are from what they believe. In other words, who they are is what happens Monday through Saturday. What they believe is what happens on Sunday. And there's a lot of our society, Christian society, that does that. But you cannot separate who you are from what you believe because when you do, you don't really believe. Because if you believe, who you are will be what you believe. I'm an American. I'm a U.S. citizen. I'm a U.S. citizen because I believe the Constitution. I believe our laws. We're, we're a constitutional republic governed by laws. It's odd that there are people in our society that don't believe certain laws apply to them. That means they're not true U.S. citizens. Man, that's going to hit hard because I'm going to get some. I'm going to get some emails on this one. You see, there are those who want to break our laws. Have you ever broken a law before? Yeah, and they wrote me a ticket for it. I broke the same law four times in a month as a, as an eighteen year old. Yeah. There are those, you know what, <clears throat> but I got, I got real smart real quick and realized that if I keep breaking this law, I'm going to be broke in more ways than one, not just financially. You see, we're, we're governed by laws, and there, there are those in, in, in our society today, and I, I'll say this and move on. It's amazing to me how that, that we have structured this so, so it's not as bad. You, you know, in my day, it was a criminal that broke the law, and today it's an offender. You're not a criminal if you break the law. You're an offender, as if uh, it was offensive. Have you ever been offended before? See, they want to loop those two together because it sounds a little more mm, acceptable. 
And in my day, they, they were uh, thrown in jail. But today they're incarcerated. Suit and tie, you know, incarcerated. Anyway, I can go on and on. Understand this. Listen, just as our, our government system here is a constitutional republic governed by law, and we are to obey those laws and work within those laws, so it is with being a Christian and even greater. God ha- there is the law of Jesus Christ. We just read it. What are the greatest commandments? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love thy neighbor as thyself. All the law hangs on these two commandments, every bit of it. And so that's what we live by. When we don't live by those, we have to look at then what we believe. Because what you believe is what you will live. If you're not living as a Christian, whoo, you don't believe it. You're just Sundaying it. You're just sending it. So I just challenge you today. Look at what love the Lord with all your heart. That's your emotions. You know, I grew up in a, in a group where we, you know, if you were emotional, you, you went out the door. If you were emotional, you had a mental problem. If you were emotional, there's something wrong with you because we don't get emotional in church. The greatest emotion that I know that God gave me is love. The greatest emotion is love. And the Bible says God is love. The greatest emotion that I can have is given to me from God because that's who He is. See, our problem is because we get out, outside of our emotions, sometimes we think, well God, well, God doesn't get outside of His emotions. He realizes that we does, and He tries to draw us back in. But listen, you have to, you have to love the Lord with your emotions. Emotions. To sit and, I love you, Lord, and I, I love you, know, you ever you ever cried for the Lord? You ever cried because of what God's done for you? Man, we just didn't do that. But the Scripture tells us that that's how we love Him. That's how we show Him. When Jesus came on that fourth day and Lazarus was in the grave, the, the, the shortest Scripture that we know, Jesus wept. Jesus showed an emotion. Love the Lord with all your heart. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Understand this. Where, where, your, where your treasure is, what you really treasure, that's, that's how your emotions will tunnel itself out. Where you, what you cherish the most is what engulfs your heart. What you cherish the most engulfs your heart. With all your soul. Your soul is your essence. It's who you are. The thing that separates you from the animal kingdom. That's your soul. It's your innermost being. It's being able to choose. We were given a choice. Our choice, Adam's choice, actually affected the entire world. But the entire world didn't have choice. Only Adam did. And so we as human beings are the only group, the only creation that has choice. And that's what your soul gives you the ability to do. It's who you are. The soul that's in it, it shall surely die. In other words, who you are, that part of you, if it sins, that's the part that dies. That's why we have to be born again. Because in sin, our soul is dead. Being born again, it's brought back into the newness of life. You know, you already have a resurrection from the dead to the living in your soul. And now our bodies are just waiting on the rest when Jesus comes again. But that's why you love the Lord with all your soul. It's who living with who you are. All your strength, your actions. But I've seen a lot of people put a lot of actions and strength into a lot of things other than God's kingdom. If I put 
the strength and actions into God's kingdom that I put into a lot of other things, God's kingdom would be different here at Tabernacle of Praise. As a pastor, I need to make sure that I'm giving most of my strength and most of my actions. And, and you notice what I said, because God doesn't intend for, you, intend for you to sell everything you got, come out here and put a tent up out here and do everything for God. That's not God's intent. God just wants your actions to reflect your love for everything that you do. At your work, the Bible tells us that whatever we do in our deed, and our action, if we'll do it unto the Lord, Listen, your work, your job will be a lot better if you'll do it as if you're doing it for the Lord. Your relationships will be a lot better if you'll do it. Like, you know what, if we treated God sometimes like we treat our children or our spouse, mm, that's why we, our strength, our actions, you know, your actions speak louder than your words. You ever heard that? Your actions speak loud, and it's the truth. James said, faith Faith without works, faith without actions is dead, faith being alone. Faith requires an action. If there's no action, there's no faith. It's, it's not alive. Philemon, 1 and 6, that the communication of thy faith may be effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. What is he saying? Listen, your actions speak louder than what you say. Your mind, your intellect. You know, God's not against intellect. The problem is most intellectuals are against God. They're not all intellectuals, but most because most intellectuals, that is their God. Most of their time, their effort, their love, their actions is spent in becoming intellectual. There's nothing wrong with being intellectual. God wants his people to be intellectual. To use their mind. God doesn't want you to not use your mind. He gave you sense, common sense. And what happens when you become intellectual, you integrate common sense with your intellectual learning, and then you can govern your life very well. The problem in most people's lives that they have troubles is that they either don't have common sense or they don't have intellect. They have this great intellect, but they can't go and lock the door. No common sense on what that... Uh, have you met that person? They, they're astoundingly intellectual, astoundingly. But if their battery runs dead on their car, they have no clue what happened. They keep turning the key and turning the key, and nothing's happening. They don't understand the battery's dead. They have to have somebody like Pastor Don to come over and say, oh, your battery's dead, common sense. Then there are people with common sense who don't have intellect. In Texas, we call them rednecks. A lot of common sense, no intellect to go with it. God intends for us to bind those together. Let your mind be the thing that, what do I meditate on? What do I think on? Uh, what are the virtues that I think of? What are, what are the praise things that I think of? And then love your neighbor as yourself. Well, we could spend all day talking about that. We won't do that. Your neighbor is not just the person who lives next door to you. See, we, we want to trap God sometimes. Okay, we, I love the Smiths and the Joneses and the, and these because and the, and they're in my cul-de-sac. Lord, I love them to death. But next, the street behind me or in the grocery store or at school or at work, that's not my neighbor, Lord. They don't live next to me. No, your neighbor, you know, the story of the Good Samaritan tells us who our neighbor is. It's anybody you encounter. Any person you encounter in your life, 
Jesus said that's your neighbor. Love them like you love yourself. Verse 6 and 7 of Deuteronomy 6, and these words which, and this is the meat of it, and I'll get through to the end of it here. These words which I command you today shall be in your heart. This is a commandment. Verse 7, you shall teach them diligently to your children. Diligently. Have you ever been diligent about something? You know, when I, when I bought my boat, I searched diligently for the very boat I wanted. I knew exactly what I wanted, what it, what it needed to do, the size of the engine that was on it, if it had double live wells in it, if it had places for my fishing poles. So I, could have, it, I knew exactly. I diligently searched out the one I wanted. What, what does that mean? That means that I got all the factual information that I needed, and I looked for it. Diligently get all the information you can get from God and can teach it to your children. How much information is that? Well, it could go on to eternity. So God narrowed it down. He said, listen, if you'll just teach your children to love the Lord thy God with all the heart, soul, mind, and strength and love thy neighbor as thyself, that'll cover it. That'll cover all the intellect, all the knowledge that you need to to teach your children. Teach your ch- And you shall talk of them. when they. You, do you ever talk with your kids while you're sitting in the house about God? This was supposed to happen every day. He said, from the time you go to sleep, when you wake up the next day, start talking again. Talk about God. When y'all walk outside, talk about God. When you're eating lunch, talk about God. You're, you know, do you do that on a daily basis with your children? You see, I'm afraid that's what's happened to America. After the war, World War II, America had a revival, so to speak, of people that really trusted God. People went to church. People, why, is it important to go to church? Absolutely. Is it necessary? Uh, no, but it sure helps you to get there. It's not necessary. But listen, the Bible tells us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves. So could, could I be saved by not going to church? Uh, yeah, I could be. But why would I take the chance? Why, why would I even, when I have this opportunity, you see, a lot of us are figuring out that we have the opportunity to come here kind of got cut off, didn't it? And now there's really just a select group that are here right now just to try to keep things going in our lives. Understand this. It's important that we teach our children that when we walk, when we sit in our house and when we walk by the way, when we lay down and when we, you know, when I lay down, I, about 10 minutes I'm asleep. So it gives me 10 minutes to talk. I need to be talking about the Lord. <laughs> what if we actually did this? What if we actually, as the kingdom of God, as God's children, talked about Him, love the Lord thy God with all, talking about love, talking about love, talking about love, loving who? Him. Loving who? Others. What if we did that? Would this be a different country? You see, in our country today, if you agree with me, we're friends. But if you don't, you're a hater. Now, I'm not the hater. You're the hater because you don't agree with me. That's our society today. Whatever happened to us disagreeing agreeably? Listen, I like blue. And if you don't like blue, you're a hater. That's how far our society's gone. Just because you don't like what I like or you're different than me, now you're a hater, not me. That's not loving the Lord and that's not loving the neighbor as thyself. 
A lot of people say, I bring my children to church so they can learn about God. You ever heard that one? I bring my children to church every Sunday so they can learn about God. No, that's not correct. Because we don't have church every day. And what your kids learn Monday through Saturday is much more vital in their life than Sunday. It's up to us as parents to teach our kids about God every single day. It's no one else's responsibility. It's ours. It's up to you as a Christian to learn about God every day. That's not pastor's responsibility. My responsibility as pastor per the New Testament is to lead you and guide you and equip you in the Word of God. But if I only have one day a week, an hour, that's 168 hours in the week, and I only have one to equip you, what about that 167 that's left? You see, we throw the responsibility in our society on everybody else but ourselves. I'm talking to you today but about let us never forget. You see, Sunday school teachers can teach God's principles to your children, but we as parents have to, to live them. That what you live is in principles of God is what you teach your children. You are teaching them constantly every day. If you live the principles of God on Sunday, but you don't live the principles of God on Thursday, you're teaching your children that it's okay to live the principles of God on Sunday and not live them on Thursday. You're teaching them, whether you're ever saying it or not, you're teaching them. It's our responsibility to teach our children every day. Every day. There's a lot of people in our society that say, you know what? It's the police's responsibility to discipline me, to make sure that I'm obeying the law. They're responsible to sit out there with a radar. They're responsible to watch and see if I steal something. There's a lot of people, this is their mentality. Their responsibility to make sure that I'm disciplined, that I don't do these things. No, it's my responsibility. It's my responsibility. There are those that say, you know what? It's, it's the responsibility of the school teachers. Mm. You know what? They have a job, and that's to educate your kid. It's not to raise your kid. It's to educate them, not raise them. There's a lot of teachers. I wouldn't be a teacher. So today. God bless the teachers in our society today in America. God bless you, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I don't know how you do it. Not because of the kids, but because of the parents. The kids are just acting out what they're being taught. They're just acting out what they're being taught. And so you have to deal with parents. God bless you. I better stop there. I'm going to get in trouble. Verse 8 of chapter 6. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and the frontlets of your eyes. You make them a part. Listen. If you tend to forget, if you tend, do, y'all, do you tend to forget sometimes to pray? Do you tend to forget to sometimes to read the Word? Do you tend to forget? Sure, we all do. We get busy in this society. So, if I'll just have these frontlets, in other words, the Word of God, it said here, is, is bind them around your, in other words, bind your mind with His Word. We've been, we teach so much binding and loosening. You've heard that taught in several different, 100,000 ways. 
if you bind in heaven and you lose and we want to loose our mind but God said no you don't want to loose your mind because if humans loose their mind then I might have to come back and destroy you again because that's what happened in the days of Noah their mind was loose and it was loose and they were on evil when our minds are loosed they're evil it's when we bind our mind with the word to where it becomes something that's imprinted even between our eyes Verse 9, you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and your gates. See, your theology is not what you can recite with your mouth. I've told this story before. I was on the roof of a building in a town and talking with a guy who was a HVAC contractor. And as we were talking, we were talking about Jesus. And man, I thought, man. And as we were talking, and then someone came up that had an attachment to the roof that said, listen, guy, you've got a problem here because what you did was you did this roof. And I haven't heard so many four-letter words in my life as I did that day. And I've heard a lot of them. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. We were just talking about Jesus. And now it's you let it fly. Man, you, you, you're letting them rip. You see, what you recite out of your mouth means very little. It has its degree it's what's written in your heart. That's how you really live. When it says right on the doorposts and on the gates, what are doorposts? They're the, poor, they're the posts that are the portal. They are the entrance to your home. What are the gates? They are the portal. They are the entrance to your home. What is your home? It's your heart. And so write these things on the portals, on the entrances to your heart. That's very important because you can spout a lot of stuff. But if it's not written here, how can you spout Jesus, I love you, and then spout, and I'm not going to say those four-letter words. How can you spout those within five seconds? Well, we're all human. I will agree with you that we're all human. If you're not, you're an animal. We're all human. Human is, a, human is not a, an emotion. Human is not an intellect. Human means you're a body that has the breath of life in it. That made Adam human. When God breathed into him the breath of life, he became a living soul. He, then Now he's a human. But we use the excuse, I'm only human, in a different way, don't we? It's because it's an excuse. What we have to understand is that when we write these things to the entrance of our heart, then whatever comes into our heart, whatever enters the doorway and the portals of our heart, will see God's Word first. Why is that important? Here's why it's important. When you look at verse 12 in Deuteronomy 6, he said, do all these things, then beware. Beware. Lest you forget. I'm telling you. We can't forget, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. That's the reason that you do this. That's the reason that you love the Lord your God. And that's the reason you teach your children. And that's the reason you put these things in your heart. Because if you don't, you're going to forget what God's done for you. Lest we forget. We can't forget. Out of the land of Egypt, from the house or the heart of bondage. That's why we do what we do. 
No matter where you've come from, if you were raised in the church or if you were raised in a bar, every single one of us was in bondage before Jesus found us. I wasn't raised in a bar, but I went home for a while. I lived in them for a while. But, But Jesus found me. No matter if you were listen, if you were born, if your mom birthed you in church under a pew because they couldn't get to the hospital in time, that doesn't make you a Christian. If you've been in church all your life, that doesn't make you a Christian. What did the lawyer say? How am I going to inter- How am I going to inherit eternal life? That's what the lawyer says. I want to say it. Lawyers haven't changed much, have they? I had to say it. God bless you, lawyers. His attempt was to try to trick Jesus. The land of Egypt in the Old Testament is a type and shadow of sin in the New Testament. God delivered you and me out of the land of Egypt and of a heart of bondage from sin in our life, regardless of regardless of where we grew up. You see, he asked the question, and Jesus asked the question, what's written in the Word? And so he puts it out there. I don't want to forget where Jesus brought me from. I don't want to forget. I don't like to think about some of the stuff. I don't, you know, I'm glad that God remembers it no more. But I'm thankful he gives me a memory because I can stand here today and say, you know what? Man, there was a day on Sunday morning. Right now, I'd still be asleep with a hangover trying to get over last night. I don't want to forget that because I don't have to do that anymore. I would be laying there with a pillow, with a, with a pistol under my pillow, not knowing who, what, when, where last night, not knowing who I did bad to that week that might be coming to break in and kill me. I don't have to do that anymore. He delivered me from that. I don't have to worry about the people that I stole from wondering if they're going to find me. I don't have to worry about that anymore. He delivered me out of the land of Egypt and out of the bondage. That You see, I was in a bondage. You know, I thought I was really living life. Nobody where I grew up was doing more than me. I was the top dog on the ladder of idiocy of doing things that were absolute, people would say, hey, let's go follow him and see what happens tonight. And I'm not bragging about that. That's how bad it was. That's how bad it was. People wanted to see, well, let's see if, what kind of fight he gets into. Let's see, what, what, is he going to pull a gun, a knife? Is he going to beat somebody down? What's going to happen? Is three or four going to jump on him and beat him down? People would literally take trips to places that I went just to see that. How horrible. Talk about bondage. Oh, but I was living life to its fullest. Thank God. I can't, lest we forget. Let's not forget where he brought us from. But you know what? Let's not forget where he's taken us to. He's taken us to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy. And you know what Jesus' answer was? Because when we ask Jesus, what does it take to inherit eternal life? We would get all kinds of answers, wouldn't we? Because we do when we ask each other, 
But Jesus didn't give all kinds of answers. What did Jesus say? Jesus had a different answer than you or I a lot of times think. He said, well, what does the law say? Love the Lord thy God with all the heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Jesus said this, thou hast answered right. I was expecting him to say, well, you need to do this, and you have to do this, and you have to receive this. Understand they were still living under the law. Understand that before Jesus was crucified, up until when Jesus was, they were still living under the law. So they were acting in obedience to the law. What did the law say? Love the Lord thy God. See the man, the Lord, he quoted the law. And Jesus said, you quoted it right. You quoted it right. But he didn't stop there. He said, this do. Don't just quote it. You see, many of a Christian can really spout it out there and quote it. But we forget. We forget. Let's not forget that there has to be love. Jesus didn't present himself or his word offensively. He wasn't offensive. But the word he spoke offended many. He didn't present it offensively. But because it was truth, it offended. And he said that. My word's going to offend. It's going to offend. So understand this. Thou hast answered right. This do, and you shall live. This do. Now, we know transitioning into the New Testament, we know that we must be born again. But even after we're born again, do you know what the commandment from Jesus is? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. It still is applicable to you and me today. Let us not forget what He's done for us. But let's not forget what He wants to do for others. As the praise team comes up. My prayer during this time of alone but together with you has been that we not forget what He's done for us. Not forget what He's done for us. He's done so much. But another part of my prayer is, God, don't let me forget what you want to do for others. There's so much God wants to do for those that are around you. Lest we forget, I once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in. And then a little light from heaven filled my soul. Bathed my heart in love and wrote my name above. Just a little talk with Jesus made me whole. There are those out there that just need to have a little talk with Jesus. They don't even know it. If I know what He did for me, could I just tell them what He did for me, who He is, and he, they can have their talk with Him. I trust that you've been really digging into the Word of God since you've spent this time alone together that you've really been digging into God's Word. This has been a great opportunity to find, again, those gold nuggets, those things that, and I know we're going to talk about them when we're together again. I know we're going to speak about them when we're together again. There's things that you have found in the Word of God that you also want to tell somebody. So when we get together, I know there's going to be a long line all over this church of us just telling what God has shown us through all that we've gone through. I hope you're digging into His Word. I hope you're talking to Him about what He is showing you. Don't let God just show you something. Talk to Him about it. Because there's more. It's like the onion. 
did you begin to peel it? There's more and more. I hope you're spending daily time in worship and in praise. Don't let just the worship and praise you do on Sunday. Every day, worship and praise to Him. We are so fortunate to, to live out in the country and the acreage that we live on. Uh, even when I'm working out there, I hear the birds singing. And I, I look at nature and I think, man, what a praise, what a worship. And how much more? Because the bird didn't need to be saved. The tree didn't need to be saved from their sin, but Don needed to be saved. And God's brought me into a relationship with him. How much more worship and praise could I have than the bird or the tree or the flower? I hope you're spending that time in worship and prayer daily and that it's a constant daily activity in your life. More than ever, your children need to see it in your life and hear it from you. Your grandchildren need to hear God from you and see God in you. The Lord said we should be taking, talking about Him at all times, all during the day. So I encourage you, I encourage you to not wait till we join together. Contact somebody this week about something you discovered in God's Word that God opened to you in His Word. And you talk about it. Maybe it's on the phone. Maybe it's via text. Maybe it's via an email. Talk about those things. May the Lord richly bless you today. For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather. And you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.